welcome to the Procrastinating Podcast, where everything's completed last minute. My name is Owen, and during this podcast, I will be discussing the things they carried by Tim O'Brien. The book is a narrative told from multiple, multiple perspectives taking place during and before the Vietnam War. Okay, let's get right into this. The book is The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien. It is a narrative of multiple stories taken from multiple perspectives from before, during, and after being deployed in Vietnam during the Vietnam War. There are stories of friendship, heartbreak, and death. There are 14 main characters, all members of the 23rd Infantry Division. Unlike other Vietnam War-based literature, Tim O'Brien veers away from the political debates surrounding the war, which is refreshing to hear because practically every literature from around the Vietnam War era is about the political debate of whether the war is ethical or not. Transition, transition, transition. I believe this book is important to read because it shows the true side of war. The book shows that what the media makes war out to be is only partly true. War is full of violence and death but it also creates extremely strong bonds and forges strong emotional connections between people. The book also shows how war can be traumatic. For example, like when Norman Bowker took his own life in the YMCA locker room after he had returned home and found, like, no emotional connection to everything and how the whole world has moved on without him from when he was at war. Things They Carried is an important text to me because it shows how your life can be changed for the worse and you cannot do anything about it. Throughout the book, Lieutenant Jimmy Cross reflects on what he could have done to prevent the death of his soldiers. He took the blame for each death that occurred during the war. For example, when Ted Lavender was shot in the head, Lieutenant Jimmy Cross personally blamed himself for it because in his mind he was thinking about Martha and he thought his he should have been focused and he could have prevented that. And when Kiowa died, he blamed himself for his death, too, because it was his choice to take base and like the sewage field. And if he would have moved somewhere else, Kiowa probably would have never died. Lieutenant Jimmy Cross's life was changed because of actions he could have not prevented. Another example is when Norman Belker took his own life. He was put into the war involuntarily, and the war caused so much emotional damage that he felt there was no option but to kill himself. personally really enjoy the book, but some parts of it are difficult to read. Like when Norman Bowker describes how he felt numb, and how he couldn't like not create an emotional connection to anything, so he decided to kill himself. Because he explained in the book, when he came back from war, he'd never really like, want, he never like really found like emotional connection to anything. And uh, he felt that, like the world moved on without him. He talks about how he went to like a fast food restaurant with his car, spoke into a radio instead of talking to like an actual person at the counter, and he he thought like, wow, the world really moved on without me. And during that chapter, he really just drove laps around his town, and eventually took his own life in a YMCA locker. 
This portion of the book disturbed me because there was nothing Norman Valker could have done to prevent this feeling. Also, the fact that he took his own life in a YMCA locker room instead of at home, so that his family would not have find his, ugh, not be the first to find his body, like that really like made that part really difficult to read because he really still cared about his family, and it showed that he was not completely like emotionally dead. He still loved his family and didn't want to put them through the like emotional like distress of finding his own body. portion of the book to me was when Tim O'Brien killed a man with a hand grenade while hiding in the bushes. This portion is kind of long, so I apologize in advance for reading it. Shortly after midnight, we moved into the ambush site outside Maya Kay. The whole platoon was there, spread out in a, in a dense brush along the trail. And for five hours, nothing at all happened. We were working in two-man teams, one man on guard, while the other slept, switching off every two hours. And I remember it was still dark when Kaiwa shook me awake for the final watch. The night was foggy and hot. For the first few moments I felt lost, not sure how to not sure about directions. Groping my helmet and weapon, I reached out and found three grenades and lined them up in front of me. The pins had already been straightened for quick throwing, and then for maybe half an hour I kneeled there and waited. Very gradually, in tiny tiny slivers, Dawn began to break through the fog, and from my position in the brush, I could see 10 to 15 meters of the trail. The mosquitoes were fierce. I remember slapping at them, wondering if I should wake up Kiowa and ask for, and ask for some repellent. Then thinking it was a bad idea. Then looking up and seeing the young man come out of the fog. He wore black clothing and rubber sandals, and a gray ammunition belt. His shoulders were slightly stooped, his, his head cocked up to the side as if listening for something. He seemed at ease. He carried his weapon in one hand, muzzled down, moving without any hurry up in the center of the trail. There was no sound at all, none that I can remember. In a way, it seemed he was part of the morning fog, or my own imagination. But there was also the reality of what was happening in my stomach. I had already pulled the pin on a grenade. I had come up to a crouch. It was entirely automatic. I did not hate the young man. I did not see him on, as the enemy. I did not ponder issues of morality or politics or military duty. I crouched and kept my head low. I tried to swallow whatever was rising from my stomach, which tasted like lemonade. Something fruity and sour. I was terrified. There were no thoughts about killing. The grenade was to make him go away, just to evaporate. And I leaned back and felt my head go empty. I felt it fill up again, as I had already thrown the grenade before telling myself to throw it. The brush was thick, and I had to lob it high, not aiming, and I remember the grenade seeming to freeze above me for an instant. As if a camera had clicked, and I remember ducking down, holding my breath, and seeing little wisps of fog rise from the ears. The grenade bounced once and rolled across the trail. I did not hear it, but there must have been a sound, because the young man dropped his weapon and began to run. Just two or three quick steps, and then he hesitated, swiveling to the right, and he glanced down at the grenade and tried to cover his head, but never did. It occurred to me that he was about to die. I wanted to warn him, then the grenade made a popping noise. Not soft, but not loud either. Not what I expected. And there was a puff of dust and smoke. A small white puff. The young man seemed to jerk upwards, as if pulled by visible wires. He fell on his back. His rubber sandals had been blown off. He lay at the center of the trail, his right leg bent beneath him. 
He had one eye shot, shut, his other eye a huge star-shaped hole. For me, it was not a matter of live or die. I was in no real peril. Almost certainly the young man would have passed by me, and, always, and it will always be that way. portion of the book is memorable, memorable and important to the text because Tim O'Brien kept recalling on that moment throughout the book. He always tried to comfort himself by saying that the man would have died anyways throughout the war. He kept repeating it throughout the book and like calling back onto it. He kept repeating no. He even created a backstory for the man he killed too. The story that Tim O'Brien tells is only told because his own daughter, after the war of course, asked if he had ever killed a man in the war. for readers thinking about reading the book is just read the book it will truly transform your view about the war you will see other you will see the other side the friendlier side of the war most like main media really just shows the like part of the war where it's all about oh this is unhumane they keep it's all about killing it's all about territory money power that there's no real true meaning to war but in reading the book i realized that there's more to just killing than war. You build strong emotional connections to the people you meet. You build long-lasting friendships that you, I don't think they can be made anywhere else. Well, that is all for now. My name's Owen, and I will see you the next time on the Procrastinating Podcast.